Blog Talk Radio. And I because of an educational grant with Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today I'm really excited because I have family on the line with us. I've got my aunt with us to talk to us about um, aspiration pneumonia and swallowing difficulties and, um, you know, and and how those play a role in Huntington's Amy is her name. She's a professor with Western Carolina University and a speech therapist. And um, Amy, can you just introduce yourself a little bit more and how you know HD has affected you and and um, what you do? Sure. Um, so, like Lauren said, I am an assistant professor um, in the Department of Communication Sciences and Disorders at Western Carolina University, way over in the western part of our state. Um, Communication sciences and disorders is just another term for speech-language pathology or speech therapy. Uh, I've been a speech-language pathologist for over 30 years now, which is just crazy. That's a very long time. Um, And I've worked over the years in a lot of different settings, um, including some skilled nursing facilities and a rehab hospital. So that's uh, me professionally. Personally, um, so I am Lauren's aunt. Um, So her father is my brother. Um, So Huntington's disease has been in my family. My father um, uh, passed away from Huntington's disease. Um, His mother and aunt um, also had Huntington's disease. So my brother. um, So obviously this has been in in my life since, um, yeah, just since I was a little girl. Um, And I think that covers it, Lauren. Pretty much. Does that cover so, my whole history? I, so. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's my history in a nutshell. Very quick. <laughs> very quick. <laughs> uh, and you personally tested negative, right? Yes. Yes. So, yes. Um, which is great, and it's very real. It's very very nice to have um, a a professional in the family to help us during this time. Uh, with dad, most of everybody listening knows that um, my father is dealing with a hospitalization right now. Um, I've been very open with, you know, with people, with the Huntington's community about what's going on with dad and how we're dealing with progression and pneumonia and everything. So it's very yeah. nice to have a professional to kind of turn to and talk to about these issues. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today is Swallowing difficulties, um, how that leads to pneumonia and, and how aspiration pneumonia may be different from a different type of, you know, from bacterial pneumonia, to, you know, and um, and just talking about dysphagia and how that works. 
Sure. So that term dysphagia actually it means swallowing disorder or disorder in swallowing. And um, so it's a pretty general term. And we can think of a swallowing disorder um, kind of broken up into phases. So that's how we typically characterize it when we do an assessment or when we treat someone who has a swallowing disorder. So for the different phases, um, you can kind of look at them generally in three, um, three different phases. So the first one is the oral phase. So that's anything that happens um, in the mouth, right, in the oral cavity. So having to do with lips and tongue and jaw, um, um, which is all important for eating, right? This is how we, um, we close our lips to take food off of a spoon or a fork. So we look at lips. Tongue is how we can move um, the food or liquid around in our mouth. Our teeth, right? We chew or munch, so we need to have jaw movement. And all of that takes a lot of coordination. Um, and as we know, in Huntington's disease, sometimes, you know, muscles become affected. There's some incoordination. And so you can see the same thing um, with dealing with food in the mouth and trying to manipulate it for a swallow. So, I'll, and, you know, we all do this without even thinking about it. You know, we just eat our meals and we don't think much about swallowing until sometimes, you know, everybody has a moment or two where they might choke during a meal because they weren't paying attention and we're talking while eating. So we're all used to that. Um, but when people start to have difficulty of swallowing disorder, they're not able to protect, um, protect themselves very well. So anyways, in this oral phase, all of these things happen with our teeth and our lips and um, tongue, jaw, um, to help form what we call a bolus or a ball, right? So everything gets uh, so that you can move it from the front of the mouth to the back of the mouth safely, and then you do what's called triggering a swallow. Um, so actually form the bolus in that oral phase, and then it moves into a phase called the pharyngeal phase. So you may be familiar with, like, the pharynx. If you were to look in the mirror and open up your mouth wide, you kind of see this um, uvula hanging down, and you can see the back of your throat, tonsils, right? So as soon as it gets that back of your throat, that's the pharynx. It's the pharyngeal phase. And all kinds of things happen there to be able to protect um, your lungs from getting food or liquid, um, from food or liquid entering the trachea and going into the lungs. Am I being too medical? No, you're fine. You're good. Okay, cool. Um, so, um, so when food, when the swallow is triggered, right, all these things happen to, uh, that are protective so that the food goes into the esophagus and not down into the lungs. And it also takes a lot of coordination. Um, so the timing of when that swallow is triggered and when everything closes off, the vocal folds close, um, something called the epiglottis goes down. So, you know, it protects everything. But if there's not coordination or if things are slowed down a little bit, a person can be at risk for food or liquid going into the trachea. So we've talked about the oral phase where things can happen because of incoordination, pharyngeal phase because of a delay or slowness of triggering that swallow, and also coordination problems can happen. And then esophageal is when food goes into the esophagus. Um, and there can also be some problems at that juncture um, from moving from pharynx to esophagus. There can be some slowness um, happening at that phase too, so we want to look at that also. Um, so that's dysphagia. 
So disorder in swallowing, there are three phases that we look at. A person can have a disorder just in the oral phase. They can have a disorder just in the pharyngeal phase or just in the esophageal phase or any combination of any of those. Um, yeah, and so then I think you asked, like, how does, um, how can dysphagia cause pneumonia? And so a pneumonia happens if food or liquid bypasses um, those protective mechanisms and the food or liquid goes into the trachea, which then leads to the lungs. And so once food or liquid gets into the lungs, um, the body, you know, has a reaction to that. It wants to kind of you know, kill that off, and so it can cause an infection in that area. And so that's called aspiration pneumonia because of a food or liquid that's been aspirated into the lungs. So that's, again, um, you know, very different than other kinds of pneumonias like viral pneumonias or other types of bacterial pneumonias. Um, so aspiration pneumonia is specifically when food or liquid goes into the lungs. It's a and really so common cause. Yep, go ahead. Uh, you were saying it's a really common cause. Right, of someone dying um, because of aspiration pneumonia. So when individuals become very, very ill, and not just with Huntington's, Huntington's disease, but cancers, and, you know, as we get towards final stages of different diseases, um, the body becomes weak, and so the swallowing mechanism, all of those muscles also uh, become weakened, and so... Um, it's very common that food or liquid goes to the lungs, causing that pneumonia, which then can lead to death. Okay. And so one of the things that, um, you know, of course they were mentioning with dad is we will now see because of the dysphagia and if it's not properly taken care of and we're not mm -hmm. making changes, then we could see a chronic issue with aspiration pneumonia, which we definitely see in Huntington's a lot. Um, yeah. And so kind of can you explain, like, maybe some of those changes that we could make? Um, yes. So, there are, there are, so this is why speech pathologists are really important to this um, part of treatment. So if you ever have questions, you know, ask for a speech pathologist to get involved if you have any concerns about um, the person's um, drinking or eating and um because there are things that we can do to help prevent the aspiration pneumonia. So there is treatment, um, and for, before treatment, you have to do an assessment. Um, I just wanted to mention one other thing about aspiration pneumonia. Sometimes a person can um, have silent aspiration, and what that is is there's no evidence at all that that the person has aspirated. So they may not be coughing at all. They may, You may not see any signs of the person choking, coughing, or anything, and so they all, may all of a sudden show up with a pneumonia, and you're like, how did they, how could that happen? And so sometimes the where we have um, coughing or gagging to try to protect, um, to protect our swallow, sometimes that is lost as well in neurologic disorders. And so I just want you to be aware of that, that sometimes you don't see those signs of coughing or gagging. Um, so if there are several I think pneumonias. that's a really, really great point right there because, you know, especially with that, I, I honestly wouldn't have noticed anything until he started gagging, um, mm -hmm. but he had the pneumonia before then, and yes. we had no signs. Yep. 
And so that's the that's the one that we worry about the most. So when someone has um, successive pneumonias diagnosed with pneumonias, that's you definitely want to or have the speech pathologist get involved and um, order what's called a swallow study. So before you can do treatment, you need to you know get an assessment um, from a speech language pathologist there at hospitals, private clinics. Um, if there is a pneumonia, I'm pretty sure that insurance, um, you know, if you talk to the doctor and say you're concerned about the swallow, um, you know, they'll order that for you. And there are different ways that you can get a swallow study. So one is called um, a modified barium swallow study, and that's what your dad had. It's kind of like an x-ray. And those are typically done in the hospital setting. And what the speech pathologist does is um, they mix different textures of foods and liquids with something called barium, which is a little bit chalky tasting. It doesn't taste great. But what it does is it lets you see real time on on an x-ray. It watches uh, the person swallow, and you can actually see exactly what happens, where the food or liquid goes and how all of the structures are working. So it's, you know, that's really the best um, kind of assessment that you can get where you can really see everything. You can also see um, the esophageal phase. You can see all three phases of the swallow with a modified barium swallow study. Um, And that's, yeah, like I said, that's what your dad had. And um, they did see some what they call penetration, which is, Um, not aspiration. So you can have penetration where food or liquid goes between the vocal folds, like right where the trachea is, and then the patient kind of can cough and get it right back out, which is what you want to see, but you're at risk for aspiration, you know, if you're, you know, kind of not paying attention to how safely you're eating. There's another type of... So after he actually, and I, I just wanted to point this out, She mentioned that, and then the speech therapist actually saw him after dialysis and Mm -hmm. saw him eat and and said, oh, no, he definitely is having issues. Um, He started gagging and stuff, and she's like, yeah, we, you know, at that point she absolutely saw what we were talking about. So I do want to point that out, too, that the study itself just showed the penetration, but then when she was actually there, she saw him um, gag and aspirate. So Yes. And so that can happen because during the modified, it's very structured. The patient is really paying attention to what they're doing. She's The speech therapist is presenting those small bites or small sips. So it's a very structured kind of swallow setting where with a meal, you know, it's much more a regular meal. It's much more informal. And so, yeah, you can see, all, you know, how big the person takes a bite or how quickly they eat. Um, and then you can start to see some more problems. So for sure. That can happen. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, you can interrupt with any question. That's great. Um, The other way that you can look at a swallow is with something called, um, well, it's called FEES, but it's a fiber optic endoscopic evaluation of swallowing. And what it really means is just an endoscope that's placed in the nose, and um, you thread it down so it's kind of looking at the vocal folds. It's sitting above. And you can actually watch the person eat, um, take bites, and take drinks of liquid and see just in real time what's happening, Um, which is really cool. But you can't, um, and there's no no exposure to radiation, so some patients that's the option that a doctor might want to go. So 
um, but you can't see the esophageal phase with that. It's not an x-ray. You're actually just watching the food or liquid during the swallow. So it's another one that is often, um, often performed if someone's in a skilled nursing facility and they can't leave the facility. Um, a speech pathologist can come right to that facility with their um, endoscopic equipment and do it right there at bedside. So that's kind of a neat one too. Um, so how do we lower the risk of aspiration? Um, so I think you were asking me, you know, what can we do so that, you know, um, as our loved ones move through some of these stages of Huntington's, how do we, you know, prevent aspiration? Um, how do we not get pneumonias? And um, so I had a couple thoughts for that. Um, one is that we have to just, by even listening to this podcast, right, increasing awareness, education on on, on what aspiration is, what causes it, what's um, a swallowing disorder, what's dysphagia, and be watching for any changes in a swallow. So one of the first things that um, that people notice is difficulty swallowing pills. Um, that's one of the first signs, and people will say, wow, you really struggled with swallowing that pill. Like it's not going down or it's staying within the mouth and it's taking them a long time to get it down. That's really one of the, um, one of the first signs that people see of a change. And also you want to listen, you know, during meals for um, any type of um, more coughing than usual, um, if they're eating and, you know, you kind of listen to them talk, if their voice sounds at all like gurgly, you know, like it sounds like there's something stuck, sometimes you can actually hear it in their voice. And, you know, you, could, you know that's a sign, too, that things just didn't clear all the way. So any type of change that you see, if they're starting to lose some of the food um, out the front of their mouth, um, like lips, so some loss of liquid or food that way, um, you know, those are all concerns that you'd want to seek out a speech-language pathologist. Um, I'm just going on and on, Lauren. Are we good? Oh, yeah, you're good. Um, I was just <laughs> thinking, <laughs> I was just thinking, like, the, what about having somebody clear their throat? You know, you mentioned the gurgly sound. If we hear that, is, yep. is it a good idea to have them clear their throat maybe? Yes. It's good to ask them if you hear that gurgly sound um, to ask them co to cough. You can ask okay. them to try and clear their throat. Um, so that's really important. If the if um, your loved one is still able to follow directions, those are great things to try. Um, and then some safe swallow strategies that I just think are good rule of thumb are. Um, to not use a straw, so you just learned that with your dad, and I told your mom I that did, last yeah. week. Um, <laughs> you don't do the straw because what a straw does um, is it shoots liquid to the back of the mouth really fast, and so anybody with a delay in their swallow just can't manage it. Um, you know, because it's a cup sip is a little bit slower, you can manage it better, but a straw sip just, you know, shoots it back. Um, before the person's ready for to take a swallow, um, so sorry about the straws. But if if um, if um, dysphagia or a swallowing disorder is a concern, just you got to set those straws aside. Um, cup sips, not not chugging 
um, liquid, right? So you want to just have kind of small sips. So, you know, not taking the bottle and or a cup and whipping it up and, and trying to swallow it all quickly. You want to really try and work on um, just small sips for safety so that the person can manage that liquid. So thin liquids are the, you know, something that we worry about the most because that's what goes so fast um, if someone has a delay in their swallow. Um, if Which I found really interesting uh, and that was another thing I learned this past week when you told me is that soda, of course, is thicker than water. So yes. it's actually better at meals to use a soda over water if, when eating um, to do those yeah, steps. So, so that was so, huge for me. Yeah, so what they're finding is that some of the sodas, because of the bubbles, you know, um, can act more like what we call a nectar-thick liquid, which is just a little bit of a thicker um, liquid than water. It's not not a lot, but it is just slightly safer. Um, well, and that's, that's amazing for me because, you know, dad doesn't like to drink water when he's mm-hmm. eating, and so it's actually, we can get him to drink soda. So that yeah. was huge for me. Yeah. You know, we just don't think about, you know, all of these different things during a mealtime that might, you know, might make a big difference. Um, if during the swallow study, if they find that the person is not safe with thin liquids, they may recommend a thicker liquid like soda or nectar thick. They actually, um, there are packaged nectar thick liquids or honey thick liquids, um, that the patient may be, um, safer swallowing. Um, so that's liquid foods. Um, so, you know, regular meals, obviously, where you have to chew a lot might be more difficult than softer foods. So softer foods sometimes can be a little bit safer, like a soft sandwich and puddings and, um, you know, um, applesauce, you know, so some softer kinds of foods, um, soft vegetables rather than, you know, hard carrots and things like that are a bit are a bit safer. So... Um, you know, just to kind of think of that, that may be recommended to go more towards soft foods. Sometimes it moves all the way to pureed foods, which I know patients don't like a lot, but um, pureed foods are the safest um, thing for our um, loved ones to swallow. Um, But for safe swallow strategies, I'm going to jump back to that. So kind of hang back from the straw, Um, small sips of liquid, and then during a meal, alternating a bite of food with um, a sip of liquid. So alternating each time and really taking time during meals. Sometimes we get really rushed and, um, you know, we want to get done with a meal quickly. And so, uh, but it's important to kind of slow it down, take time so that it's nice and safe, not eat, not talking during the meal, which is also hard because we're so used to being social, but it's really hard to talk and eat safely at the same time um, for someone who's at risk for aspiration pneumonia. Um, if someone else is caring for your loved one, you may want to write some of those safe swallow strategies down. And there are several online that you can just print off. If you just Google safe swallow strategies, there's actually, you know, several speech pathologists have put different examples up that you can just grab and use. And they're the same ones that I've just mentioned to you. Um, so I hope that that's helpful. It is. And I actually am going to try to post, uh, we'll 
you know, with Help for HD, we try to post materials. So I'll try to actually post a, a link to um, those Safe Swallow strategies and um, get that to you guys in case you need it, especially if somebody else is taking care of your loved one. I know that one of the things that we have to do a lot is educate. So not everybody is used to swallowing difficulties when they're taking care of uh, somebody with neurological diseases. So um, we'll make sure to have those available to you. Amy, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing, you know, like I said, is just, you know, just be aware, um, try to be patient, um, and reach out to speech-language pathologists. This is what, you know, we're here. Sometimes doctors don't automatically refer to us. They'll refer to GI or ear, nose, and throat and just remind them that, um, you know, refer to your speech-language pathologist. We can help with uh, with diagnosis, diagnosis and um, treatment strategies and can consult with you and help you through, um, you know, through some of the things that you may be struggling with. And um, we do, so speech pathologists, there's actually a site for us. It's, it's asha.org, which is A-S-H-A dot org, O-R-G. That's the National Association for Speech Language Pathology, and there is lots of information on there about um, swallowing disorders, aspiration pneumonia, if you need to look up more information. Awesome. And I will actually, uh, if you go to the show page on Blog Talk Radio, the ASHA.org link will be there for you guys um, to be able to access it uh, fairly easily. Amy, I want to thank you for coming on and talking about all of this. You know, this is something that sure. we've been struggling with with Dad, and it's, uh, yep. I'm so grateful to have you navigate this um, oh, with grateful us. Grateful to have you. Just so I also want to mention, everybody, that uh, next week our show is going to be with Bassinex. Very excited about having them on with us. And I'm also going to look at doing a show about um, sundowning with Huntington's and um, kind of dealing with that, as well as one of the other things I want to do a show on is somebody who's gene positive and also a caregiver for uh, for their symptomatic loved one who um, is progressing and, and kind of dealing with those emotions. It's something I've been struggling with, and um, I think that that would be a really great support um, show to have. Um, so definitely reach out to me if you're dealing with that. I hope you guys are having a great day, and Amy, you have a wonderful day. I'm sure I'll talk to you probably in 10 minutes because I keep calling you. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Okay. Absolutely. You guys take care. Okay. Bye. Bye.